calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hello, Miss Keegan. Hello, hello. So we didn't do our usual full catch-up before we started recording. We kind of just got down to business today. So how mm. are you doing other than being tired? Like I know. <laughs> that was essentially our full um, check-in was that we were both really tired. I'm I'm Okay. You know, it's another one of those weeks in quarantine where it's like, you know, it's not great. It's not bad. It's just kind of like it is same old same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you get into routines and what I will say is like maybe try and find something to shake your routine up. That might help a little bit. Like I've been working out all week. I'm doing this challenge that will have me working out until next month. Hopefully if I follow through with it. And as much as you've been doing great. Thank you. As much as I hate working out. The change in the routine is nice from, like, doing the same thing every single day, you know? And I'm sure this will get tiring at some point as well, but... Yeah, I think that's really the thing is that there's, like, the monotony of your everyday life at times just gets so boring and mundane. But, you know, I have... I always have, like, little things to look forward to. Like, we're going to finish the series finale of Veep after this. And, you know, oh, little, nice. little things like that that you get excited about, right? Yeah. Um, and it's also, it's been so hot off and on here. And I'm loving swimming while I'm at work. It's like, oh. that's kind of making my summer. I'm just immediately like, T, want to go swimming? And he's like, yeah. And then we can spend, so like, nice. two hours outside. It's so perfect. Yeah, because it's so. supposed to be, like, hot. Not that, like, everybody else in the country cares about what our weather is like but I mean it's supposed to be like a hundred on Saturday and Sunday so yeah it's gonna get hot tomorrow too or today I guess for listeners uh well I figure we should probably get into the news unless there's something else that you want to share no that's it so I know that you have something that you are excited to talk about excited might be the wrong word I was gonna uh, say definitely not excited it's definitely really horrifying and it's kind of Uh, It's something that I saw on Instagram shortly before we recorded, maybe like two hours ago, and it was about femicide in Mexico. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about the femicide in Turkey with, you know, the black and white photo challenge and everything like that. And this is another one that is 
really, really horrible, not being um, reported enough, I feel like. So women in Mexico are being murdered at an alarming rate, but their president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, says most of the claims are false. Mm. So... Yeah, I'm so, sorry. What? How do you fake them? I mean, I know that it can be done, but you're right. talking about massive it's, fakes it's, of murders. It's very interesting. It's like it's not so much just he's saying not that not just about the murders, but about like the hotline calls like this guy kind of he reminds me a bit of Trump in the way he talks kind of likes to pat himself on the back and stuff. I don't know much about this guy. So if we have any Mexican listeners and I'm totally off base. Let me know. But um, essentially, since the stay-at-home orders were put into place on March 23rd, there's been an increase in murders of women. April was the deadliest month in the last five years, and 267 women and girls were killed in just the month of April. Um, President Lopez Obrador blames the, quote, neoliberal governing models of the presidents before him. And he also stated that 90% of those calls, referring to, like, hotline and emergency calls, that serve as your base are false. It's proven. There was a record, he didn't say this part, (laughs) there was a record of 26,171 emergency calls about violence against women in March. So the reason that the president is saying that the calls are false uh, is actually because they are listed as incomplete. So this woman, Maria Salguero, who is a Mexican femicide investigator, says it's not that the calls are false. It's more that the calls weren't followed through to completion, so they're considered incomplete. Also, sometimes calls come from neighbors, and authorities don't always go to the neighbor's house for a follow-up statement. And also, sometimes victims who are afraid to even call, once the authorities have come to the house, they may back out of wanting to press charges. And then, again, that call will be listed as incomplete. So... The numbers, the actual numbers are from January to April 2020, 987 women and girls were murdered. But what they're saying is that only 308, I shouldn't say only, but 308 femicides, according to the government. And is this throughout Mexico, like, totally, or is it in a specific place? Because I know that there's a big issue with, like, missing and murdered women in Juarez in particular. I don't know, because I got this from a CNN article, and it was a bit broad. Like I said, I found this a little bit before, but it's definitely something to look into. Um, It seems, I mean, these are pretty astronomical numbers. I would assume that this is happening in multiple areas. If this was happening in just one city, that would be Mm -hmm. even more, you know, what's going on, (laughs) like, What are they drinking over there that's making all this happen? Um, President Lopez Obrador also says that women are being killed because of, and are you ready to get mad? (laughs) Demise of family cohesion and isolation. Shocking. I know. He says, when when isolation occurs, this culture perhaps causes grievances, confrontation, and violence. Well, that's true. That is true. It is. It totally is. But then he kind of like backtracks and it's like, uh, but I mean, we're not like, it's not super violent. Like it's not super, you know what I mean? He's trying to kind of play both sides. Yeah, because here's the thing. Like what he's saying is true. Like that's why we're seeing an escalation in domestic violences, like uh, domestic violence incidents within homes all across the world. Like in the United States, everywhere. I mean, it was part of what our conversation was about the femicides that are going on in Turkey and what has caused that to spike in a way that it has in in recent years, Uh, a lot of it is to do with the fact that there's no reprieve from it 
uh, if you're in a violent relationship, what he is failing to say is that it's not a breakdown in family values, which I thought is what he was about to say. Yes, yeah, family cohesion. Of, yeah. But it's it's these instances are occurring because you have an abuser in the home. Like, let's exactly. address like well, the fact that these men are abusers. They're not doing this necessarily because they're in isolation. Like, exactly. yes, it 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 exacerbates the issue but it's not the root cause of the problem oh exactly so the government has actually put these ads out this campaign uh about how to prevent domestic violence disputes and it's absolutely absurd there's this commercial of like the family like fighting and then they recommend to stop and count to 10 and then wave your white flag of peace and in the commercial it's like a family waving their white flags and smiling and Perla Acosta Galindo who's the director of a women's center said counting to 10 won't help especially when you're attacked and that's just a no-brainer or else no one would get attacked if that works. <laughs> Look, I mean, there there is some logic and science behind I me. Mean, it's why we tell children to do that whole thing where, like, you de-escalate, you count to 10, whatever. Like, I understand that. But this sounds like they are not really taking a look at what the issue is. And what the issue is, is domestic violence and domestic violence abusers. And if you've ever seen people or known people who are in that situation, it is a chronic situation. Counting to 10, it's about control and power uh, and violence. And counting to 10 is not going to um, help, even if, even if. For whatever reason, counting to 10 in that one dispute managed to de-escalate it somehow. Um, It's not in the long term actually going to solve the problem or make these women safe. Oh, exactly. And that's, you know, these women's advocates, you know, whole point. It's like, you know, you can say to count to 10 and to breathe and to, you know, hold up your white flag of peace and say, you know, I give in. But that's not that's not solving any problem. You know, there was somebody that quoted it essentially saying that it was like a Band-Aid to the problem saying like, look, we, we did something about it. We've got these ads out, but at the same time, there's nothing being done. Like, uh, this woman also, the woman at the end, Perla Acosta Galinda said that she, you know, there has to be policies changed. There has to be funding. There have to be shelters for women, you know, coming Mm -hmm. out with this like cheeky ad campaign isn't going to make any real direct change. Right. I mean, we've had these conversations. We've had an episode on domestic violence and we've had an episode on toxic masculinity. And it's like, unless you start addressing the root cause of these problems as a culture, um, managing to de-escalate any given situation for a moment isn't in the long term going to do any good. Like you have to start changing the mentality of the culture. You have to start holding people, uh, men specifically in this situation, accountable for what they're doing and not excuse that behavior uh, or say that it's a family cohesion problem. Like it's not, there's a family cohesion problem because there's a domestic abuse problem. Exactly. And the thing that's so upsetting is that, you know, there are so many calls coming in. There are so many women and girls asking for help, yet these calls are all listed as incomplete these officers that are coming, the authorities that are coming to help these women are not following through with the protocol that they are supposed to. And they're not realizing that by coming into the home, you could be making it more dangerous for the woman. You know, there just doesn't seem to be anything in place for authorities to be able to give these women a safe outlet to report their abuser. Yeah, I mean, because we've addressed this before, again, you know, in our domestic violence episode specifically, if anybody wants to go back and reference that episode. But 
You're absolutely right. Like going in and kind of just pretending to help because that's kind of what it sounds like to me. They're like, oh, we have to go check this box that we went in and checked on this person. If you're not actually ready to really help and give the appropriate resources to help, you are most likely making the situation worse because what happens for that person when you leave and now their abuser feels like they're called out. They feel um, embarrassed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, their pride is wounded. And now you've left this woman in this very vulnerable, dangerous situation. Well, and that's why it's also important. You know, they were talking about how authorities won't go to the neighbors and have a follow up if the neighbor is the one that called. And I feel like that's a really important thing to think of that if there's somebody else that maybe is hearing things more constant, and can give you a statement that can maybe help you help this woman better. You know, again, you're letting some someone slip through the cracks by not taking every avenue possible to ensure the safety. Yeah. And I realize that it's difficult, because even here in the United States, it's like, very often in domestic abuse situations, it's like if you don't have any visible marks and it's just kind of like a he said, she said situation, even if the neighbor did hear something. And again, so many domestic violence uh, victims won't feel comfortable in front of their abuser saying anything. So if if you don't get a statement out of that person, um, then you will just leave because there's really not a lot that legally you can do and that's what makes these situations so difficult but they need if it's if it's a problem like this where people are dying so regularly they need to come up with another solution on like a legislative level like they need to come up with another solution because what they're doing is not working clearly and in fact they're probably making women less safe yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it just sounds like they're making it a joke, especially with the commercial. It's just, it's yeah. not taking the situation seriously. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really sound like it's even giving any real resources. You know what I mean? It's ju- well, it just yeah. seems silly, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. All right, my dear. Should we move on? Yeah. Okay. So I know we are planning on, spoiler alert to our listeners, we are going to be talking about the kind of like history and record of Biden and his new VP pick, Kamala Harris, on our next full length episode. But I really do feel like, first of all, that episode is bound to be long anyway. So we (laughs) should probably get some of our thoughts out now. And I also know that listeners are probably waiting to hear what our thoughts are because yeah. they're they're very very complex for me they're the my feelings are very complex about this situation so on tuesday uh, august 11th biden chose kamala harris as his running mate uh which was predicted like i kind of had a feeling that that's where it was going right and it is okay let me try and break this down in a way that makes sense I'm having a lot of very complicated emotions about it because on the one hand, Kamala Harris is smart. She is capable. She is articulate. She is the daughter of immigrants. She is a breakthrough for women of color. She is the first African-American woman to run on a major party ticket. She's the first Asian-American woman to run on a major party ticket. And she will be the first black vice president if elected. It's incredible. It's, you know, historic, all of those things. She's incredibly well-spoken. She's done a lot of incredible things. However, I think it is super important. 
Let me preface all of this by saying you, ha- <laughs> you have to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yes. Like, you have to. You, you don't have, have a choice. To. I mean, you don't. Not really. Like, <laughs> We're if, telling you. If you're our listener and, you know, your politics align with ours, there is no choice here. There is yeah. no choice. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you have to vote for them. However, I do think that it is important, especially for us, as people who just came out of saying defund the police, defund the police, it is it is very hard to support someone who has a record like Kamala Harris's record and yeah. Joe Biden's record. Joe Biden, I mean, fully supported mass incarceration. Um, he voted to militarize the police and Kamala mm-hmm. Harris enforced all of those policies. Right. Um, and the thing is that especially from what the research I've done so far and just from what I know, it sounds like in a lot of ways, you know, Joe Biden has maybe like lessened up on a few of those things, but they're definitely still there. Like if you go on Politico and just kind of look through all of his like beliefs and what he would want to do with president, it is, I mean, obviously incredibly, incredibly moderate, you know? Right. I mean, what we're talking about here with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden is we're talking about two very safe democratic choices. Right. Um, They're very safe in that way. And, that's not necessarily to say that they will be bad. All that I'm trying to say, because it's why I've had such a hard time kind of voicing my opinion about this since it has been announced is because I don't really want to be attacked (laughs) for being critical. Right. But but I I don't, I don't think that you have any reason to feel badly for how you feel because I wasn't particularly thrilled with it either. I made that known, I believe on my story on Instagram where it's just kind of like, here are some positives, I guess, to look forward to because there are positives. But like, you know, we've said this for over a year tracking this whole thing, you know, this isn't the outcome that we wanted, you know, but it's the outcome that we got, you know, and I completely agree with you when you look into both of their track records, especially with mass incarceration. Uh, It's incredibly troubling in the state of our nation right now that we would have uh, somebody that isn't willing to enforce a more radical change. Right. I mean, and who knows where she's at now? I mean, she's kind of done a bit of a 180 uh, because as she wrote in her book that she considered herself to be a top cop and that if she had a choice, she would hire more police officers and put more police officers on the street. And then, you know, amid national outrage about the killing of Michael Brown in 2014 in Ferguson, Missouri, she was asked, like, you know, the entire world was in an uproar. I was here in Los Angeles marching in the streets in 2014, like same Mm -hmm. kind of thing. What was happening whenever she was working in San Francisco is as a district attorney, she was being asked to investigate police shootings and she wouldn't do it. And now she's kind of saying, like, I stand with Black Lives Matter. My parents met amongst civil rights protests. Right. Um, all of I these mean, things. It's and one it of those things very where... pandery to me. It feels like she's pandering yes. because that's where the nation is right now. And she wants to appeal, especially as a black woman. Yeah. She has to appeal. She has to appeal to that vote. And I'm hoping that the pressure that, you know, Americans will put on them if they are elected. I, I, I feel like I need to be saying when they're elected just to put the positive vibes out there. But I don't know. But I'm hoping that, you know, both of them seem to be people pleasers. I'm hoping that that continues 
you know, if they well, get into office in some way, you know, here's the thing. I, I think Joe Biden is a people pleaser. Right. I don't think that Kamala Harris is a people pleaser. Yeah, you're I right. think that she is got really strong opinions. I think that she well, is she's a politician. Super smart. Yeah, she's, she's super very smart. smart. And I think that she's a politician and I think that her choices that she made as a district attorney and a prosecutor were political choices um, for her to get ahead. I that, But that's my issue with Kamala Harris is that I don't know what you believe. That's my problem is because I'm like, you... If you stand for nothing, Burr, what do you fall for? I'm sorry, I had to do it. I had to but, do it. And I, I hate saying it like that because I do think that she's had some incredible moments where she is like tearing people apart and asking yeah. the hard questions and being this incredible strong woman and I don't want to take any of that away yeah and that's part of the reason that Trump is scared of her too which is a absolutely plus, yeah you know? yes yeah I mean so I I have hope I'm feeling hopeful but hesitant I need for her to address and I'm sure she will but I need for her to not only address her past record uh, but also to kind of move forward in such a way that makes me believe that things will be different from right. here having, on out. Having her actions uh, mirror the things that she's saying. I think yes. I mean, that's, yeah. that's all that we want with all of our candidates, you know, especially when somebody is running for office. There's a lot of promises being made and there's a lot of things that they say they want to do. Um, and we all we can do is hope that you know, we're voting for the right people and that they're going to follow through. And you know what? That's just the really shitty thing about this election is that it it doesn't really truly feel, to me at least, like a true victory, especially because of everything that's happened since, you know, the coronavirus came to the U.S. It's really disheartening not to see somebody that wants to take a more radical, uh, you know, change to this country. But at the same time, I'm hoping that, like so many other Americans, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have, you know, maybe, I don't know if seeing the light is the right way of putting it, but maybe educated themselves a bit, themselves a bit more. Maybe they're starting to see things well, change a little bit. And maybe they're just, maybe they're seeing how important it is, even if they don't fully believe in it. Maybe they're right. seeing how important I, it I is mean, to back it. The thing is, this is what's so shitty about this. I mean... In the past, I'm sure if we had been paying this much attention to the candidates in the past, we would have similar issues because at the end of the day, they're politicians. I've said this on this podcast about Barack Obama and a lot of the things in his policies that I don't agree with. I mean, at the end of the day, they're politicians. They have absolutely done things that do not line up with my ideals um, and my moral beliefs. Like, Mm -hmm. of course they have because politics is a game yeah that's the thing is we're not politicians we don't think that way right to get to the top you have to play that game that is just kind of the way that it works um but i do think taught me that yes (laughs) i think it's yeah house of cards i mean i think that it's important to both celebrate the fact that this is historical uh, and incredible and we do have somebody who is smart and capable Mm -hmm. uh who is in this kind of position right now and it's incredible for black women and it's super incredible Credible for Indians and Indian Americans. I just watched um, a Now This video where they even went to India and they were talking to people and people in India are very excited and yeah. proud well, about the it's, fact. 
it's positive representation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if yes. she's an American, she's representing them in a way. Well, and, yes. And Her it, mom be, is Indian. Yes, exactly. India, yeah. Know? Like she and and because of how historic this is, you know, again, that's a lot of weight on her shoulders. She's representing a lot of people that need to be represented, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I will say, like, this is not a reason to vote for somebody. Again, I totally believe, and we will continue to hold these people accountable and be critical of them. But I will say, whenever she went and spoke with Joe Biden, when they kind of had their first uh, public speaking engagement after the VP nomination came out, I watched it, and she is so... God, I hate I hate to say this about a female candidate. <laughs> Makes me feel like a bad feminist. But she was so cute. Like she cause oh. <laughs> because she was so excited. And like yeah. you could tell, you could see how excited she was and how yeah. happy she was. Um and how proud she was. And right. I love to see that. I really mm-hmm. do. I you just want people it. I just want people to not blindly say, you know, skin folk ain't kin folk. Just because she looks like you doesn't mean she stands for you. Um, so I've I think never heard that phrase before, and I love it. <laughs> skin folk I, isn't kin folk. I, I heard it before, and then I heard it again on Daily Zeitgeist, and I was like, that's exactly right. Um, I love it. That's so true. Because just because I, I want just people to be critical of the fact that, yeah. like, just because she's a woman, just because she's a woman of color does not mean that everything that she does is perfect and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that everything she does is going to represent you so uh, while I think all of us need to rally and vote for Biden Harris um, we also need to be critical of these people and hold them accountable hold their feet to the fire exactly yep always well I want to mention one other thing that I did some research on really quick and that is the fact that there are so many students and staff that have had to be quarantined in this country after going back to school. I'm sure you all have seen the photo (laughs) on Instagram of Georgia. That was the other thing I was going to bring up today if we had time. Mm -hmm. It's just like, this is something like I go full mama bear with this stuff. I love the kid I take care of. I love his friends. I get very, very worked up when I see parents putting their kids in that's danger. what i was gonna say is because it it's like yes, me crazy the government has done this but it's also parents because like i there I, I don't have a kid and i'm absolutely certain that being home with your kid while trying to work from home i hear my coworkers on zoom calls yeah. i know that it is so hard and i understand wanting to get your kids back into school but there's no way i would let my kid go back to school right now are you no, kidding me and, you know, there are studies that say that, you know, kids not interacting with other kids is really hard on their psyche in their formative years. But honestly, if you are keeping your kid alive, to me, that is the most important thing. And the biggest thing that I want to say is that, you know, there's this belief, I think, in a lot of parts of the country that children can't get infected with COVID-19. And that's just not true. Um, over the last four weeks, there's been a 90% increase in COVID cases among children. I got that back from the American Academy of Pediatrics. And 90 children have died in the U.S. due to COVID-19. So it's not like kids can't get sick. I see kids without masks all the time. You know, it's just really upsetting. So remember the fact that we have to keep everybody safe, you know, not just our immunocompromised and our elderly. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and 
I'm sure that you've seen the picture. Most people in the United States have seen this picture, but a school opened in Georgia and a student took a photo. There were very few kids in masks and they were packed into this hallway like sardines. Oh my gosh. And this girl, she's a 10th grader. She was suspended yeah. from school for posting this this picture. Uh-huh. Uh, and they reversed that decision only because her story went viral, which is uh-huh. really fucked up. The fact that she was suspended in the first place is wild to me. Um, well, yeah. But, but it was reversed once the photo went viral. But I think in that school, they closed down partially from bad publicity from they, that photo. But they yeah. had like nine cases. They had like nine cases in their school from only being open like a week or so. Right. And, and I, that I, nine I, cases is putting 1,100 students and staff in quarantine. And then there's another school in Gwinnett County, which is Georgia's largest school di- district, um, that had to quarantine staff before classes even started because there was 28 confirmed cases by August 5th. So now they're going to be st- starting virtual classes on Wednesday. And similar instances have happened in Alabama, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Indiana, it's just happening all over the place. Happening in Florida, of course. Sorry to Florida listeners, but what's going I mean, on in Florida? I mean, they know. They know. They know. It's okay. They know. Well, um, and it's so upsetting because, like, right now California is doing horribly. Oh, it's just like I think I've said this many times, but I mean, every time I go out, like if I'm going somewhere to pick something up, people are out. They are out. And yes, most people that I see are wearing masks. But if you are out eating, you can't have a mask on. Nope. So I just want people to think about this. Like, I understand I'm not trying to massively guilt anyone or anything like that. But like, just think about it next time that you go out to eat. You are putting, yes, that person needs a job, but you are putting the person who works, who's probably making something like $3 an hour as a server at massive risk yeah um and i'm again i'm not saying you well, can't do anything or or whatever but just like just keep it in the back of your mind right well and the other thing too i read this somewhere online that it's like typically like restaurant workers i'm sure it's different now with covid going on but like i remember when i worked at starbucks if i was sick and i couldn't find someone to cover my shift i still had to go into work uh-huh like yeah. I could, even oh, yeah. if I, you know what i mean like you need someone to cover your shift or else you have to go in so it's kind of like, you know, you could also be putting yourself in danger, too, if you think about it. So it just makes sense. And the last thing I want to say just about masks in general, that I just don't get why people don't want to wear them, because to me, it's just like an added accessory to what I wear every day. Well, did I already we say this in the about, last episode? Yes, we, we did. And we, we did talk about this before. And I will say, again, like I said before, I understand it. Because to me, yes, it's an accessory, but it is uncomfortable for me. Like, I don't like oh, having so it on, especially it. especially with how hot it is. Uh, the second I'm in my car, I take it off because I do find it easier to breathe without it. However, it is a small, tiny, minuscule price to pay yeah. for protecting your community and the people around you. It is... It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we could go on and on right now. Sturgis, the huge motorcycle rally is happening in South Dakota yep. where 25,000 people are gathered and they're not wearing masks at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I got to say, like in the beginning, I had a really hard time breathing in the mask. I've had to wear it a lot and I've gotten used to it. I don't know if it's just the certain mask that I have now. That's also it's very soft and comfortable, but I'll put it on and I'll be driving in my car and forget that I have it on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I take my mask off right away. So I mean, I get, I get, I get it. I'm not trying yeah. to say that like 
they're super comfy and I enjoy them, but that's not the point. Yeah. Like it, it, it doesn't being inconvenienced and uncomfortable is not oppression. Sorry. Yeah. Like that's not <laughs> how this works. Um, and I just wanted to point out as well before we end this episode that that girl uh, who got suspended for posting that picture in Georgia, she is now receiving death threats. Her and her family are now receiving death threats for just telling the truth about the situation and trying to keep herself and her um, fellow classmates and teachers safe. Yep. And it's, it's, well, you know what? History, history is, is so going to remember it differently. You know what I mean? That's, up. The, that's everything you have to think of. It's like, you know what? Those people, they I know. Mean nothing. It just, like she did something that was so helpful. It breaks my heart for this 15 year old girl though. Cause it's just like, she's a baby. And like, that is such a, like high school's hard enough. I know. You know, and now you're having to deal with this. It's just bullshit. But anyway. Anyway, so that is our episode for you today. If there's anything that you all would like us to talk about next week, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Instagram and follow us at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast. Y. A. N. F. Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. And if you haven't already, go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will feature you on Reviews Day Tuesday. Last but not least, if you don't already, listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a little bit. With all that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.